Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I want to thank you for tuning in, and I welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review today's podcast guest, because he is an outstanding contributor to healthcare. His name is Bill Moschella. He's the co-founder and CEO of Evariant. He's a growth entrepreneur. And actually, Bill, I just realized that you no have worries, yeah. on. And so you are now the chairman, no longer CEO. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I, I transitioned to a, a board role now, which has been a, a great transition and brought in a fantastic new set of uh, a, a management team, uh, CEO, Clay Ritchie, and uh, CFO, Andrew Keenan. So that's that's been a, a great process over the past two years. And I finally was able to you know, step out of the day-to-day operations. Yeah, so thanks for the clarification. Absolutely, Bill. And, you know, listeners... Here's the cool thing about Bill. You know, he went to music school, he toured in bands, he opened up a recording studio and became a software and tech entrepreneur in that order. And he loves being disruptive. He has done so with the company that he built. And in today's podcast, we're going to dive into some of his experiences, as well as some of the things that they did over at Avariant and, and what they currently focus on. So Bill, to begin with, from music to health, why did you make the transition? Yeah, it, it wasn't on purpose. It just happened. And the trajectory that was followed was I just was getting into software because the recording studio that I was running was essentially a digital recording studio. So I had to learn how to patch software and get involved in, in the digital aspect of business. And I was recording TV commercials and radio spots. And that put me in touch with the advertising of different organizations. And once that happened, it was kind of, and it opened up a whole new world for me. So I became more involved in the business of music as opposed to, you know, the making of music and the touring and the playing. So it just shifted. And part of it was a lifestyle. And uh, part of it was just, it just started to excite me and I, and I became extremely interested in it. So that was a big transition, but it happened. And so as I started to get into CRM and became an early Salesforce.com partner and became an Eloqua partner, I mean, these were, you know, two huge cloud companies who were revolutionizing not only just the cloud movement, but the way that we look at what's referred to as CRM today. So sales service and marketing platforms for organizations and that space although I was in very early and very successful, got crowded quickly. Mm-hmm. And as it was getting crowded, what we were finding was an area that was not quite crowded was bringing in the concept of digital marketing and CRM to help systems and providers. And we found uh, a couple early adopters and just realized that, wow, this is we can be extremely disruptive here. I mean, this is a market that's purely selling direct mail. That was their core vendors were selling direct mail services and it was the core communication method for health systems to speak to patients. Mm -hmm. And we brought in and said, why not email? Why not text messaging? Why not landing pages? You know, why not using analytics to actually target where people are going to be outlined and figure out the best way to to communicate with them? And that became the beginning of the variant. It just steamrolled from there. I mean, we were able to raise capital I don't want to say it was easy, but we weren't in all the other noise of all the other horizontal cloud platforms. We had something unique and focused and vertical. 
And um, as we can tell now with the advent of just consumerism and digital health, I mean, it's, it's one of the hottest topics. So consumer engagement and patient engagement and physician engagement, we just got in really, really early and were able to establish marquee logos and platform very, very early on. And uh, it was a wild ride. But that's to kind of round back to your question, why music to healthcare? It didn't happen on purpose. It's just one of those things you couldn't have even planned for it. Yeah, that's so interesting. And um, we had a guest previously, and uh, his name is Walter, and he's he's out of uh, L.A. And he, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like uh, you, had a music studio, now is making a transition into uh, health through a company called Health Tunes, using music to affect the hearts of the, the NICU patients. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. Amazing. Yeah, you guys are kind wow. of like carved from the same cloth. I'll have to connect you guys. But yeah, yeah you know, it's so interesting. You, <laughs> you found this this niche and it wasn't crowded. You know, you, you took a, a niche that, that was hot and then you found a vertical that wasn't crowded. And I think that's a good lesson for entrepreneurs working outside of health. Find something that's hot, find something that is working and then figure out how to apply it in health because one of the things that Bill did that is tough to do is implement. And in health, implementation is the innovation. And so, Bill, kudos to you and, and your team. I know you made it sound easy, but I, there's a lot of hard work that went into it, no doubt. Oh, yeah. On the implementation side, the difference between what happened when we started and you know, where Evariant is now, and uh, the team is completely different, right? I mean, what it took to... And what it takes to run Evariant operationally now is much different than years ago and when I was running it. And you know, over, over the course of the years, it, it, it changed and went through various maturities. And it's the biggest thing that we had to pay attention to and that the company is focused on now. And the management team that's there now, which is doing an amazing job of, is maintaining all the compliance and the security. So all the different breaches that have occurred over the years, not only in healthcare, but just across the world globally and and kind of digital data have just put a new light on cybersecurity and compliance and what it takes operationally to run a business and maintain your compliance, your HIPAA compliance and SOC 1 and SOC 2 type 2s. These are major efforts and they become business units within an organization. And there's more people focusing on that at the company now than there were, you know, in the whole company a few years ago. <laughs> and yeah. so that's just, if you talk about testament to the, the change in the industry and the work effort that's required to, to stay at the top of the game in this, you have to take security and compliance. It's got to be on the top of your list. Yeah, that's a really great hot topic. And there's providers listening to this. And if you wanted to share with them, you know, what's an example of how Evariant has created better outcomes and results through what you guys are up to there? Sure. There's a couple core use cases. And the business really has four unique offerings and that sits on the platform, the Evariant platform. The first, which was the bread and butter and, and still is to this day, was kind of the core offering is around patient engagement and acquisition and consumer engagement and acquisition. And so that's really working with a health system to identify their population, understand their segment, and understand within that population who's a patient and who's not a patient at this time, which we would refer to as a consumer. And using third-party data and their first-party data, both clinical as well as social and psychographic, you know, being able to look at those populations and understand who's got the highest likelihood for one of our services. And we would really like to drive growth in our orthopedics service line. Or if we want to drive growth in oncology or growth in cardiovascular with our centers of excellence, 
where should we do that? And how should we do that? What's the right communication? Where's the right location within our primary, secondary, and tertiary service markets? And not only just one message, how do we keep an ongoing campaign? And how do we connect those individuals to our message and track the outcome and the spend through return on marketing investment? I mean, it's a huge thing. I mean, for a lot of organizations who are spending millions of dollars and being able to take step-by-step methodical process of looking at my patient population, looking at my consumer population, understanding the market share that I want to go after, choosing the tactics, deploying the tactics, tracking them in real time, and understanding the return on marketing investment. So from call it Google keyword or Facebook paid search or direct mail or email doesn't really make a difference in many, many combinations and touch points, not just one, but many. What was the combination of those? Which ones influenced and who, which drove new patients? Which drove return patients? You know, what was their insurance? What were the procedures that they came in for? And understanding that and maintaining compliance along the way. So that, that, that's a huge value prop in driving that growth. The, the marketing departments, the chief marketing officers and strategy officers have an ability to make a contribution to the bottom line. They're not just putting out design and brand now, but they are truly driving volume and taking part in the supply chain of the growth of health systems. So that's one of the biggest value props that, that we started off with and is still a huge piece of the Evariant business today. That's really fascinating, the distinctions that you made here, Bill, and, and also the ability to track the ROI of marketing dollars. I think it's a very difficult thing to do. And it sounds like you guys have really figured out a way to help providers find a way to do that. Yes, we have. It is a combination of obviously compliance, of course, and, and security. Because to move that data around, it has to stay compliant, right? You have to make sure you're you know, watching out what's going on with PHI and PII and removing it and hashing it and encrypting it always at every step. And so we have an infrastructure that does that. But the next practice here is really data science and machine learning. And we deployed that many, many years ago before even the term AI was coined and came out and was, was made popular, right? This was, we were doing that when cloud was the term <laughs> and big data yeah. was the term. And so it, it's really about AI? what we're doing is we're, imagine that, um, let's just say, you know, I'll use myself as an example. And I am suffering from, you know, an old college injury from playing soccer and I have a knee issue. And you know, I've got choices, right? You know, I can kick the can, I can get physical therapy, I can start to think about what surgery looks like. But I ski and I'm active with my kids and, and I just I want to understand what are my options. And so thus digital health, right? I'm online, I'm researching, I'm looking at social media, I'm talking to people, I'm looking at reviews, I'm going online and looking up physicians and doctors and clinics and health systems and I'm just gathering information, right? It's part of the process that we right. all go through today, whether it's for our health or whether we're buying a new phone or a computer or a car. So that retail process, that retail mindset, right? puts us out there in front of a lot of different communication mediums. And I might touch a health systems advertising in a dozen different ways, multiple times over each. And so you can't just say, we need to do advertising on Facebook and we get the highest return from that. Well, that's absolutely not true. That's not where you get the highest return. The highest return is what machine learning will show you. And this is our AI, mm -hmm. which ends up telling you it's not that one tactic. It was the seven tactics that you were influencing over the past 90 days in this particular order. When you look at pattern recognition and you start to map that pattern recognition with outcomes and time series events, you start to find out that there are different patterns and orders in which people 
consume your advertising and consume information that turns them into consumers to patients. And by looking at those patterns, we're able to benchmark and go into a particular demographic in a particular geo area and tell the health system right out of the gate before the campaign even starts. We think that at X dollars spend, we're going to predict that this is about how many patients you're going to get. This is how many you're going to call into the contact center so you can be prepared for volume. Here's what's going to happen to your web traffic. So it's a complete prediction around the supply and the demand. And that is where we've made transformational shifts and going from called a, a marketing agency-esque platform to pull lists to an actual insights platform that drives predictions around spend and around actions and supply and demand and how you need to staff your contact center and which areas are going to start to affect your retail and your clinics and so on and so forth. That's how eVariant AI, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, Bill. And uh, just thinking through how powerful that could be, it really takes a lot of discipline and then also a lot of technical savvy to make something like this happen. Absolutely, it does. I mean, the interesting piece about this is that forget about in healthcare, in marketing, in the worlds of marketing and digital marketing and strategy. I mean, the best of the best are doing it, but you're not going to find this type of capability where the average marketing department has a team of data scientists crunching down numbers. It is absolutely where the industry is going broadly. And I spend a lot of time in that kind of horizontal space around how machine learning is, is affecting digital marketing and advertising and contact centers and service centers. But when it comes to healthcare, I think it's even more of a challenge on the provider side in terms of how they're staffed. So our platform to be able to do these things and our team to build these things internally, it becomes so important to have operational efficiency and to be able to scale. And that's what we've been able to do over time. And we attribute a lot of it to the support of our our investors. And we've been able to raise a great amount of capital. And as folks like myself and others that we have on the board who have supported the company over the years have given us the opportunity to invest in these things because they are expensive and you have to put a lot of R&D into them. And uh, we've been able to achieve quite a bit from the market need, supportive customers and early innovators and adopters, and then the investment community who has believed in what's happening out there. Very interesting, Bill. And and listeners, just think through the capabilities that a company like Avariant could do for you without having to build it out yourself. Uh, It's just a a very fascinating idea to think what you could do with a platform like this. Bill, it wasn't always rainbows and sunshine. Can you share with the (laughs) listeners a time when you had a setback, one of those moments where you're just like, oh, and what you took out of it? Sure. Just from very transparently from my experience, you know, the, the setbacks, I mean, they happen all the time, right? I mean, it's, it's part of growing a business, you know, I mean, and there's so many great books out there to read about this. And I mean, I could just go on and on, you know, with the recommendations, but it really, the theme here is that you just have to dig in and the setbacks that, that I really keenly remember have to do around operations, right? And operational efficiency and that when you're in a hot market, right? It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? We cut through and we're on a breakaway and, and just we're, we're bringing on lots of customers and then you flip the coin and it's, we have to bring on all these customers and we've got to deliver and we've got to maintain compliance. And so this perfect storm happened right around in 2014, 2015, when we're just you know, at you know, tremendous exponential growth and the industry started to really, really put more of a focus on compliance. Contracting changed. CIOs at health systems started to become involved a lot more when I think during that time frame, they were really heads down on their EHR deployments. And all of a sudden, you know, they're now looking at a broader ecosystem of platforms that are touching 
not just their operations and their, their clinical operations, but they started seeing platforms that were touching strategy and planning and analytics and population health and CRM and marketing. And so when they got involved, you know, the bar got raised. And then there was a number of breaches, not at Ibarium, but within the industry. And the spotlight went on, wait a minute, CRM touches data, that's clinical. What about your compliance? Just everything got, just the bar got raised. Yeah. And so the good news for us was that there was a number of other vendors and competitors out there who just didn't make the cut. And they either got consolidated, went out of business, wow. right? And it just kind of fell to the wayside. So the, the bar to get into this game got higher. But to do that, you had to spend more money and um, raise more capital and just keep the game going. And that just creates a lot of tension on an organization because you find very quickly that either people are lacking skills or that you just need to bring in people with more specific skills. And the way that you're hiring and the way that you're training starts to change. And it's just it's a lot of pressure where you kind of went from this, as you said, you know, it was, it was rainbows and roses, I think is what you said, something like that. And yeah. that's the time when you're just, you're cranking and you're selling and you can do no wrong. And then the market just says, we expect more from you variant right now. And to think about stopping a train that's moving really, really fast to oil and fix and build up and put better engines on. Doing that while you're growing at the same time is a challenge in any market for any entrepreneur, for any business at any size. And uh, those are times when we felt a lot of pressure and a lot of strain, both operationally and internally. And you go from you know, constant high-fiving because you're winning all the time to <laughs> you know, having lots of meetings like, all right, what are we going to do about this? And what are we going to do yeah. about that? But it's a testament to the team and the people who are working at that company and who, are, who have worked there, who have moved on, or who are still there today in the management team that's there now. I mean, just it's all about operations and execution, and no one ever fell completely down by it. We just got up and kept walking. And Bill, so, if, a lot if, of lessons. You, if you had to summarize one key thing from it, how would you uh, summarize it for the listeners? One key thing I can, I can summarize, and I, I speak a lot about this, whether it's to young entrepreneurs or you know, folks who have more established companies and they just want to hear and share ideas, it has everything to do with the way that you run your culture and the way that you hire and the management team that you bring on. Everything comes from the top, no matter what, no matter how small or how big, everything comes from the top. And the culture is so important and that everybody is marching to the same beat. Everyone is, is aligned to the strategy. And that was a difficult thing to do. As the market changed, we changed. And to communicate that down to everybody to make sure that everyone still feels like they're marching in the same direction will make or break a company, right? And when I say make or break, it doesn't mean go out of business. It could mean you're cranking along at 100 miles an hour and you could maybe go down to 80, but the difference between 80 and maybe going down to 30 or 40, that makes a big difference in, in a lot of things that you might want to do, additional money that you might need you know, access to. So setbacks around not hiring the right folks, just, I mean, those are huge setbacks. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of learning there. Pay attention to your culture. <laughs> a great message. Uh, listeners, whether you be at a, at a company, at a hospital, at the uh, forefront as an executive or, or a provider, you got to make sure you take care of your culture. This is a driver and Bill is a testament to what having a great culture can do for your company in the toughest of times. How about one of the proudest moments you've had in, in medicine? Can you share one of those? Yeah, I have to be sensitive about like client names, um, you know, just just because of disclosure. But there are a few customers in particular over the years who had unbelievable ROIs, where they came back and just said, "We have met with our CFOs and our CEOs, so chief marketing officers and chief strategy officers, 
who have worked very hard to have a seat at the table to be able to say, I'm not just contributing to brand, I'm contributing to growth and to the longevity of this business and organization, right? To the profitability and the margins. I mean, that, that's a huge thing for a marketer to say. And we've had a number of our customers come to us and just say, I want to thank you. We officially got the nod, the thumbs up, the approval, and the recognition that, yes, we did drive these patients in. And they were the right types of patients for the right services. And we did it through analytics and targeting with a, a partnership between the Evariant team and our internal team. And so to see that happen and these numbers, hundreds of millions of dollars over years, you know, like a three-year plan to actually have that kind of net contribution to the organization was just wow. You know, it was a testament to the company that we're working hard and we're building something that is truly transformational and disruptive to the investors to say, we have invested in a company that is changing the industry and driving ROI for their customers, which means that's going to be ROI for the business. And um, those moments just, you know, it's like, wow, all that hard work, we did it, you know, it's just, yeah. we did it and it resonates through the market and you start to win again and you really get that wind in your sail. So that's definitely, definitely a proud moment. Sure. Absolutely, sounds like it, and and uh, thank you for sharing that. It's uh, yeah, I can sense you. the excitement in your voice, and uh, oh, yeah. I feel your passion, my friend. So you're moving on to the next chapter of Bill, and so tell mm-hmm. us about an exciting project or focus that maybe you're thinking about now. Sure, I am extremely focused on all things AI, right? And in the under that umbrella, I would call that conversational platforms right? Machine learning, data science, that practice, the intersection of all that with big data and streaming, and then your deep learning and and image recognition, et cetera, natural and natural language processing. Like, so those are kind of, to me, the, you know, the underpinnings and the building blocks of of what AI really means when you strip away that acronym, if you will. Yes. And I've just learned a lot about what to do in data science, standing up a data science department, the challenges and being able to help organizations achieve that, right? Because it's not just building a model and training a model, putting a model into operations and actually taking those insights and delivering them to end customers. And those end customers could be contact center agents, they could be marketers, they could be business leaders, operations leaders. And just I'm passionate about operationalizing machine learning and data science across the continuum and in the healthcare system. So I've had a lot of great conversations with customers. I'm actually getting brought into even just the, the horizontal market, like organizations who just find it very interesting and want to either disrupt the market or they're being disrupted. Larger organizations are yep. saying, wow, it's not even nipping at the heels. There are amazing startup companies who are coming into our global multi-billion dollar market cap space and they are, they're shaking the tree. And yep. can you help us? You know, can, what do we need to do here? How do we need to pivot? What's one area that we could really make a difference in? And how do we start to change the way that we do our business and the way that we think. That is exciting for me. And to be able to continue to support Evariant as a board member and give insights and and just be a supporter like I'm doing right now and speaking about the company or going into other organizations and sitting down with their C-suite and talking in depth about what can we do here? What aren't we doing? What can we do? And what's a good place to start? Like what's a small proof of concept that we can really just test this without having a massive, massive change management issue. And so those are things which are really, really exciting for me. And I'll give you a couple of examples. How do you use 
conversational platforms and natural language processing inside uh, the service center of, of a health system. There's tons of clinical notes. There's And even there's tons of contact center calls that are being recorded all the time. How could you automate and use AI for natural language processing to anticipate what someone's going to need to take them through a workflow without having to have them wait on the phone or to speak to somebody who has to look up information and just give them access to things and predict things for them during their service experience. So, you know, I find those things extremely disruptive and they haven't quite hit the healthcare space. They're starting to happen in the insurance market and in the financial services market. They're not, not quite there in healthcare. So I, I think that that's a great extension of things that Evariant does and CRM companies do. Bringing in the conversational chatbot is probably kind of a, a quirky word, but thinking about how to use natural language processing and AI and machine learning during conversations and while on the phone to understand sentiment and direction and matching physicians I mean, and services to the needs of the patients through AI, huge, huge market there. I mean, if you follow the trend and healthcare lag behind the digital marketing space and behind kind of the tech companies and the, and the Fiserv world. And you follow now what's happening in retail. And now healthcare wants to follow more of a retail focus. And how do we be more intimate with our patients and consumers? Well, follow that trend. It's going there. And then go look ahead and what's happening in financial services. There's natural language processing and recognition happening on telephones and in service centers. I see no reason why that's not going to happen in healthcare. I mean, we need to streamline these processes. So those are things that I'm really passionate about. I think they're going to be disruptive and I'm, I'm enjoying the conversations that I'm having with companies and entrepreneurs and, and the investment community out there right now. Yeah, that's super exciting. And with the success you've had with Avariant and now just going through and looking at other areas where it could be applied, I'm excited to see what you come up with. And I, and I know the listeners are too. So here to the end, Bill, it's been a ton of fun to, to yeah. chat with you. What book and what podcast would you recommend to the listeners? The book that I would recommend right now that's on my nightstand and I carry it down with me to my home office is by a gentleman named Ray Dalio. It's called Principles. Oh man, it's so good. That book is, yeah, so good. Transformational for me. I read it twice. You have? I, oh, it's yeah, a I long book. And I'm not done with it it's yet. A, yeah, it's a long <laughs> book. Yeah, it's a long book. You know, I've, I've been on a couple flights across country and wow. that was one time I got to knock it out and then just I've picked it off over the holidays in bits and pieces. And now I'm, I'm back kind of like focusing on, you know, there's key chapters, right? Yeah. You know, whether it's about dealing with like kind of EQ and emotional intelligence or just thinking through reality. He has this concept about reality where he just says, you got to face reality. Like, you know, you might want something, but what's the reality of the situation? I just go back to my, my times at Evariant when we just maybe as a, as a team or as individuals had a hard time facing the difference between what we desire and what, what reality was at the time and, and affects your decision-making process. So yeah, that's to me is, is, is huge. And as far as podcasts are concerned, <laughs> for me, because I'm into the martial arts and I've been doing jujitsu for years. I watch Joe Rogan all the time. I, I think he's hysterical. And yeah. I love all the different kind of topics that he brings in, everything from health to medicine and um, business and life. And just, I find the guy extremely interesting. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. I that's kind of my, I hear it's good. That's my wind down. That's my wind down podcast, you know, when I just want to turn off and just listen to something out in left field. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bill, this is awesome. Listeners, check out that book. It's really an amazing book. Definitely another company that uses AI, Bridgewater, and the concepts oh, yeah. that Bill's running through it in health 
those guys are doing it in, in finance. So definitely a lot we could learn from over there. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash evariant. That's E-V-A-R-I-E-N-T. And you're going to find all the show notes as well as links to the things that we've discussed today. Bill, why don't you leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could uh, get a hold of you or follow you. Closing thought, I'll say this just because it's on the top of my mind. There's such opportunity and disruption for entrepreneurs out there. And I'm speaking really to entrepreneurs and individuals within organizations, both on the healthcare side and on the tech side. Just don't give up. Make every day about learning and about pushing it you know, and pushing the limits because there's so much to do out there. And if you don't do it, someone's going to come up behind you and they are going to do it because there's so much opportunity. And so, you know, be disruptive. And don't get down when, when those challenges, you know, kind of come in front of you because they're going to be challenges politically inside your organization or they're going to be challenges as a startup or a small company trying to break into something groundbreaking. And the big players are going to always want to kind of hold you back and there's always going to be challenges. So just muscle through, just keep at it, right? It's all about hard work and commitment and uh, believing in yourself. So I want to thank you for having me on here. It's, it's awesome to have these kind of opportunities and get a chance to speak to a wider audience. And to find me, you know, the, easy, the best place you can go to my LinkedIn profile on LinkedIn and just uh, look up Bill Michella and uh, reach out to me from there. We'd love to hear from everybody. Awesome, Bill. And listeners, again, just go to outcomesrocket.health slash Evariant, and you're going to find a link to Bill's LinkedIn profile, as well as his company that he founded, where he's a, a chairman now, and all the great things that he's up to. So a big thank you to you, Bill. It was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, looking forward to keeping up with what you do. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're doing great things. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.